welcome to the Project Proactive Podcast with your hosts, Shoshana Mailer and Rebecca Shapiro. Tune in to our weekly interviews with inspiring and renowned guests in order to normalize conversations and spread awareness about issues that impact the mental health of our community. It might sound cliche and a bit cheesy, but together we really can be the change. Untangling Shame with Compassionate Curiosity is actually a sequel to last week's episode, Web of Shame. Shame is a pretty big topic, and we're often left unaware of the harmful way shame can wreak havoc on our lives. Although there is now a lot more talk about it since Brene Brown came on the pop psychology scene, Brookie adds an incredible depth and sensitivity to the topic, making it even more understandable than ever before. Two episodes in a row with Brookie, such a great treat. Now let's delve right in together. Hey. Hi. How you doing? Good. I'm so happy to be back. I know. This is our first attempt at a sequel because we really oh. had a lot of unfinished business last week, don't you think? Yeah. So you've never done a sequel before? No. You're our first time. Oh, oh I'm honored. Thank you. I know because it was. it's like such a great topic that it like... Really is. We could probably spend a month on it, but I know I actually, I prepared some notes today just because I really wanted to be able to like stay focused a little bit because it is such a big topic and like we could do so many episodes on, on like on shame and shame versus guilt and how to manage shame. So I'm glad that we're back and, you know, you know, try to tackle it a little bit. Okay. Yay. Okay. So let's just jump right in. But sure. Yeah, deep dive. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, for everyone who doesn't know about the deep dive course, Brooklyn, yeah. um, it, did it start this week? Yeah, it started last week. So this week is week number two out of six. Um, and for our first group, it's week number, it's going to be eight out of 12 because they're doing like round two because they didn't want to end. They also wanted a sequel. Like much like we're doing here. Yeah. And it's amazing awesome. work. So yeah, for those of you who don't know, it's um Bacheva, right? Sh- remind me your name is Bacheva. Rebecca. Rebecca, okay. The other person, Bacheva, sorry. So Rebecca's uh, <laughs> saying the deep dive is she was just talking about the course that I'm running, which is we're focusing on parenting and it's a lot about how our past imp- impact our present and it includes shame because that's a big one in parenting um, and what steps we want to take for ourselves to create change for the future. So we're doing that. I'm actually preparing um, a couple of other courses. One is going to be on relationships and one is going to be on our relationship with food and body image. And I know that's a big one. Mm-hmm. So as these get ready to launch, you will hear if you follow me on Instagram. You'll yeah. hear more about it. Yeah. If you're not following her, you better follow now. Yeah, it's a pretty good page, if I might say so myself. Yeah. I, I love it. I love the colors. Oh, yeah. Isn't that cool? I love it. When I started my page, I was like, I need to, I wanted to do something to kind of stand out because, like, I, look, I looked at the aesthetics of a lot of different... Oh. Okay, that might be a reminder that's going to come and go. Um. Anyway, I looked at, yeah, a lot of people's pages and they had, some of them had a pattern of like, you know, black and white or, you know, a photo and then a black and white quote. And I was like, I want to do something different. So I figured I would do just photos bleeding into one another. And it's a lot of fun. 
It's cute. I like it. Yeah. For those of you who haven't checked it out, just go to my page and scroll through. You'll see the effect. Um, I guess that's one of the ways that I use my creativity or artistic, you know, abilities. Oh yeah, that, that that's next week's topic. Yes, I'm with Sarah Sarah Dukes is coming on next week. Amazing. Um, creativity, healing, creativity. Amazing. Not the title yet. If anyone has any ideas for a good title on that, let me know. yeah, I mean creativity and healing. That's literally, yeah. I'm really excited. I've I been know. like a big fan of hers for two years already. Oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into the deep dive. Sure. So do you want to start with any like question that you got or a leading question that I can kind of bounce off of? Well, I think that um, the feedback that I got was that like, that, um, that they felt like they identified, um, like that they were able to kind of identify shame triggers, but, mm -hmm. but then there they're kind of they needed more uh like driving it home sure. like like some pointers on okay so yeah so i identified that that is my shame trigger mm -hmm. so where do we go from there once that happens how do i heal that amazing like how to avoid going down what Brene brown calls a shame spiral yes that kind of thing because that tends to happen like even if you have acknowledged then you know what your triggers are which by the way that's a huge first step even being able to acknowledge what the triggers are is tremendous and like give yourselves credit for that if you're able to do that um and what you're wanting to understand is how do i take the knowledge that this is a trigger and not kind of spiral and spiral and end up in the same place that i've ended up all these other previous times yeah um, and like how, part of, um like sometimes your your uh maybe your psyche doesn't catch up to your brain like you could yeah. cognitively mm -hmm. understand that this is happening mm -hmm. but it doesn't really help um like like you could still get heart palpitations even though you know okay like i'm safe like everything's okay but you're still getting these like mm -hmm. physical reactions or you know that kind of thing absolutely absolutely so one of the things it's like what you're pointing out is really big it's the difference sorry just had to make sure my volume is good um the difference between like the that there's a difference between knowing something in your head and kind of attaching that to your body and like much of the work that i do i think i mentioned that last week is psychodramatically where we involve the body because knowing things up here is not always enough um i once heard a quote and i forget the exact wording but it's something like um the distance between the head and the heart is one of the longest journeys mm -hmm. or one of the long, you know, one of the longest distances, because it really is like you could yeah. know something up here and then how to translate that into the body. And I prepared, you know, a couple of notes of just like, you know, shame and how do we technically, you know, get through it. So I was looking, I was um, refreshing on Brene Brown because Brene Brown is great with shame. Um, and knowing that I'm coming to a live where we're focusing very concretely on something is very different than me sitting in session with a client or a patient because when I'm sitting with them, it's never about me telling them, you know, go through these couple of steps and then the shame will be over. It's rather we do the work in the moment and they're then able to translate that into life. So for me, this was a little different. So, you know, I was like, okay, I need to write down some notes and how to make it as generalized as possible because much of the things that I'll be saying today 
some of it you'll relate to and some of it you won't depending on the work that you've done in the past around shame if this is the first time you're ever looking at shame some of this may seem a little foreign to you so what i would say is kind of take it in listen and then if it doesn't apply right now just store it somewhere it might come up later on so what Brene brown was saying in the video that i was watching is she outlined four steps i'm gonna just read it the way that she said it and then i'll elaborate a little bit so she said step number one is know your triggers which is just know where shame tends to come up for you um step number two is reality check and i'm going to get back to that because that's a big one step number three is reach out right reach out for help reach out to share the story with someone reach out to share your experience with someone and the fourth which is really general is speak shame uh, i'm gonna start with the fourth one because shame thrives in three things so in order for shame to survive it needs secrecy it needs silence and it needs judgment those are the three kind of oxygen tanks that shame needs to survive and the more that you start to shrink each of these oxygen tanks, shame starts to kind of wither away. Um, and if you think about a lot of these things that people tend to feel shame about, they are rooted in secrecy, in silence, in judgment. Um, like, can you think of any example that comes to mind? And I'll kind of go from there, like a shame example. Um, actually, I, I, I was just, I forgot his name. I just um, booked him for a live. Ellie mm -hmm. Nash. Uh, sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. it, like that's what's coming to mind. His talk about sexual abuse and the effects. Yes. Well, uh, yeah. So, so that was definitely. But um, so the this um. Oh shoot! What's his name? I'm so sorry if you're mm -hmm. on here. Can you just put your name? But anyways, he just he just did a talk on mic drop mm -hmm. about um about porn about porn addiction yeah. and oh. um okay. and where he's gonna actually come on to we're gonna interview him in july so oh, that's amazing yeah oh. um so that's a good example of something absolutely that... absolutely so i think i watched a part of it or i watched someone on mic drop talk about this talk and i remember i was so deeply inspired because this was a conversation around porn addiction and based on what i remember either reading about it or hearing it was that a lot of it was rooted in having been sexually abused as a child and then this was almost like his way you know a part of it may have been a way of him kind of like making sense of what happened to him and so much of what was going on there and it's so painful um, you know, being addicted and, and everything around porn use is very often so shamed. Um, and part of the reason why the shame continues and why it may have taken him or someone in the situation so long to reach out for help is because around this topic, there is silence, right? There's complete silence. There's secrecy, especially think about the root, the sexual abuse. There's a lot of secrecy around that. And there may be families that have that going on within the confines of their family and no one's talking about it. No one's talking about it. And then the victim kind of takes on the shame of the shameful act that's being done to them and then carries it with them. And that is so painful. And then of course, judgment, which is all over the place, whether it's judgment from people, you know, in the family who know about it and want the person to stay quiet, whether it's judgment from the abuser themselves, whether it's judgment from society, 
and the shame lives on and the shame that lives on it's never really quiet like when we think of shame there's the shame like the shameful reaction that we have you know oh i'm so horrible i'm disgusting and that's like it's really tough and it comes up and then there's shame that kind of lives on and then that feeds into all of these other things so it feeds and one of these things is addiction mm-hmm. it's just the shame is going to go somewhere and that's the the tree visual that you shared with me um i think i want to post that because oh okay yeah well i'll also post it yeah that's very a very um clear kind of description of the many am i here did i get cut off yeah yeah i got you um the many ways that shame will just push to be heard and seen like it's not just going to sit there quietly and that's one of the reasons why it's so important for us to think about shame and think about what we want to do with it because otherwise it's going to start doing things to us or with us um so yeah that's just a little bit about kind of like the reasoning why we want to do something with shame and how shame just kind of sits in us unless we look at it. So one of the things that I often like to do with clients who have a lot of shame around a lot of areas in their lives and let's say they narrow it down to one area or many like it doesn't matter how we go about it but some of the work might be for us to start understanding a little bit of how uh shame played a role in their early life. So that's something when people think about how do I fix shame? I know my triggers, how do I fix it? part of it is really thinking back on those triggers and starting to reflect on them so kind of picture yourself as a young child and wonder about the messages that were told to you like for example if someone tells me that their trigger around shame is whenever they look the, whenever they look at themselves in the mirror they just like there's so much shame they hate themselves or there's the kind of the shame reaction of you're disgusting you're ugly um you eat too much um you know you know you should start working out all these you know shameful toxic messages so it's like okay you know what the trigger is but it's very, you can't just kind of say okay you know either i'm not going to look at the mirror you know i'm not going to look in the mirror anymore or i'm just going to stop thinking those thoughts the thoughts don't just go away so what we need to understand is how did these thoughts come to be in the first place now this isn't something that you just kind of like think okay how did the thoughts happen okay probably like this it's a very um slow slow in the sense that it takes time it doesn't mean that it's going to take years but it's a very reflective process of almost going back in time and thinking back to yourself as a little kid and wondering what were my messages around food what was i told about food what was i told about my body what was i told about working out what was i told about being skinny what was i told about which kind of bodies are worthy You know, if we went to the beach as a family, did people comment on other people's bodies? Like what were my messages? And I would even say, like write it down. Journaling is something that could be super useful mm-hmm. in taking a shame inventory and to kind of like understand what what are the original voices that inform my current shame voice. Right? So, and this could be like this is just one example, like the one with the body. Let's think of another example so we can kind of get the point across. Like let's Oh, I have, another... I have a good one. Yeah. Um so so until I started doing my work, 
Mm -hmm. So I used to beat myself out up about, about being emotional. Wow. Like about wow. expressing emotion. Yes. Oh, that's such a big one. So I think, I think that a lot of people could relate to that because Absolutely. it's very normal that you hear parents say all the time, like, oh my gosh, you're like, like, why are you crying so much? What's yes. wrong with you? You know, like. I think it's a normal parenting to do if you don't really know. Yeah, if you're parenting out of whether it's fear or unprocessed trauma, or like you're going to do that. Absolutely. Right. And I like I I used to catch catch myself saying that, and like and now that I like to your kids, like to my kids, like wow. oh my god, why are you like why are you crying so much? Wow. Um, wow. And but Ugh. but now it's like. A, course I should have emotion right yes oh, right that's very powerful that's very powerful because it's like when we look at the link right if we notice right now like my shame trigger is the second I get emotional I or the second I feel something and get overwhelmed I start shaming myself it's like oh wait where did I learn that emotions are shameful where did I learn that it's shameful to cry or to feel or to express my emotions? And that is part of the first step that we need to do. Like maybe the first step is knowing your triggers and this is the second step. But I think this is the first reflective step of kind of going back mm -hmm. and saying, okay, this is my trigger. And now I want to know how it happened. Like, how did it come to be this way? And Again, this can be done, you know, an internal exercise, super helpful is to kind of do it with journaling, um, with art, with, it could be speaking it out, like if you're in therapy or in group therapy to kind of like make that a part of the work that you're doing, um, to start giving notice to the fact that you are a human being who has a past. And that past doesn't just kind of go away, but it informs all these different parts of yourself including shame and so that's the first thing now once you have oh that was my battery um once you have that list and you start having this awareness of the areas or the voices or the messages that inform the shame that you currently carry next comes kind of almost like a going back to your younger self and correcting some of these messages for her or for him and this is the point where a lot of people are like nah i don't like i i don't i don't know what you're talking about like my i was a kid it's in the past like okay that's it because it's very scary to almost mm -hmm. go back and look at your younger self right in the eye and your younger self is often compared to like the inner child like the little kid who still lives on within you and what that little kid still needs is to be told that in all these areas where she was shamed, there was really no, like it wasn't right for her to be shamed this way. And here's where a lot of people's defenses kick up and say, what do you mean it wasn't right? I, uh, my mother did her best, my father did his best. Great, like that's not at all the point here, at all not, that's not the point here. Even if they did their best, they may still have done certain things to really, really hurt you and certain things that you're still carrying until today and you deserve to heal from them. So if you need to take, I always tell clients, like when, when that happens, like when they start being like, oh no, we can't talk badly about my parents. We can't, you know, I, I can't say that, that 
they made a mistake. And it's like, you know, listen, if you need to take a couple of weeks or months to be in that space of my parents did nothing wrong, I welcome it. You know? But I mean, I mean, but every parent does something wrong. Right. right? But, so but, but when we're in therapy and starting to think like, oh my gosh, my, my, my parents may have really, you know, done some things that have long lasting effects. A lot of people get very scared. It's almost like, no, never mind. They did their best. They did their best. And it's like, look, both can be true at the same time. Mm -hmm. They may have really, really, really done their best. And then at the same time, there may be things that they did, maybe due to their own trauma, maybe due to their own overwhelm, whatever else was going on for them. But there may be certain things that they did that kind of have left you carrying something. And right now, the reason why you're here or watching the live or in therapy or whatever it is, is because that weight is starting to kind of get a little too heavy. Mm -hmm. So in con connecting it back to shame, when you have that list of things that were told to you, whether it's my parents, teachers, authority figures, um, older siblings, bullies, you have that list. And what needs to happen now is you need to connect to that younger part of yourself and tell how wrong it was for all these people to do what they did, how these messages aren't true, how she was doing the best that she could, how she deserved love, all of these nice, gentle things that you would tell somebody you love. Mm -hmm. And this can be done in the form, a lot of people like to do it in the form of a letter, it's almost like they're writing a letter to their younger self. Um, so for example, if someone you know was told when they were, you know, hitting their teenage years that, you know, that was when they, they, their mother started telling them, let's say about weight, you know, you have to lose weight, you're fat, you're fat, you're disgusting, you're ugly, you look like an elephant, all these things. And these are all things that I've heard. Like, you know, a mother telling their child, you look like an elephant. And it's like, you know, that, that lives on, that lives on, you know, that, that lives on. So for almost like to go back and to write a letter to that teenage self, to write to her and say, you, you don't look like an elephant. You're a growing human being and, and there's no perfect size to be. And these are just a couple of things that you can say and, and it'll flow naturally when you're in that zone. Since you are you, you'll know what the younger you needed. Like you'll know what she needed to really hear and what she didn't hear. And this is what we call like self-parenting. Do you think that 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 comes naturally or if your inner parent it, it doesn't have the right tools that that it might not come so naturally it, it likely won't um part of it may, might be like reaching out for help i mean part of what i do as a therapist is model to my clients what it's like to be a supportive non-judgmental all accepting empathetic compassionate being right and if they haven't mm -hmm. ever experienced this like this is their time to learn what it's like and they can eventually be that for themselves um, but many people don't have an idea how to be compassionate for themselves absolutely not many people will start writing a letter and end up shaming that little girl mm -hmm. and that might happen absolutely absolutely and what i would say notice Notice when you start doing an exercise like this, are you able to be compassionate to yourself or is it super difficult? Do you find yourself, yes, shaming that little one again? And if you do, it doesn't mean that you're bad or unevolved or just, you know, can't do it. It just means that there is some more support that you might need to put in place for yourself, whether it's therapy or 
you know, connecting with a social community online somewhere. Um, there are so many healing communities accessible nowadays. So there are places where you could get that support, but if you're unable to be compassionate to that little one, that's something that you might want to put in place for yourself. And that's a great question of like, will it come naturally? It might not. Hmm. It might not. Um, so that's kind of the second step in going back, right? And this is not a one-time thing. Like writing a note or writing a letter or something like that could be a one-time practice initially. But this, like what you're hoping to do is train this to become your inner voice so that when current shame topics come up, you can kind of zone back and say, mm, I know like very gently, almost like put your hand in your heart and kind of be like, wow, I'm standing at the mirror and my shame trigger is active. And I know where this is coming from. Ugh, I know the voices that created the shame. And you almost kind of repeat the exercise internally mm -hmm. to say, I didn't deserve it then and I don't deserve the shame now. And whatever messages you need to kind of tell yourself, the compassionate messages, and a lot of it will also be, like one technique that I tell people who find it really difficult to be compassionate to themselves, whether it's in the initial exercise or later on, like, you know, day-to-day -day life, is imagine if you had a really, really good friend tell you the same things that you're telling yourself. Like, you know, if you're both standing in the mirror and instead of you, saying you know oh, i'm so fat and disgusting and ugly and i'm worthless and 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 you know I, I i don't deserve to eat or whatever messages are coming to mind imagine if she said it what are some compassionate things you would tell her like don't think about yourself right now it's like what Brene brown says um talk to yourself like you were like you're someone talk to yourself like you would to someone you love right so, so there, there, I, there's also some traps that you could fall into, like when mm -hmm. you're trying to talk to you, how can I fix this? Or like, you know, like, like, you know, get going into like fixer mode or whatever, like. A care, caretaker instead of caregiver. Right. So like, so even when you're trying to, like, oh, sorry about that. Um, a lot of people kind of um, like, I guess their inner parent might, might say, okay, okay, let's, you know, yeah, you're sad. Let's try to fix it. Right. But again, just like with a letter, when you start writing it, you'll notice if you're starting to be shameful, you got to be honest with yourself. If your compassionate voice is kind of shameful, like if shame, like we spoke about shame dressing up, mm -hmm. that's literally what you just described. Like shame right. dressing up as compassion. And you have to, you might not notice it right away, but if you find that you feel worse after you were compassionate to yourself, it may be that shame is dressing up as compassion. And shame is saying like, yeah, you are fat. Well, what are we going to do about it? Right. Right. So that's, so that's another form of criticism. It's, right. it's trying to fix the problem. You just have to validate, right? Absolutely. Because when you really think about how you really, really talk to someone you really, really love, if you're in a space that's able to hold space for yourself and for the other person there's not a lot of fixing that you do like in a relationship where you know whether it's a friendship or a husband and wife or a spouse whatever it is mother and child or father and child or all that there's not a lot of fixing that goes on in a in a in, in like an evolved loving relationship because it's i can hold space for you 
you can hold space for me and we can exist in the space in between right and it flows freely and people are able to ask for what they need and to give what the other person needs rather than one person kind of fixing the other or the other person fixing back and there's like this control game that's being played it's really not that so notice if when you're trying to be kind to yourself or when you're trying to do a practice of being kind to yourself as you would to someone you love if what keeps happening is some kind of like fixer upper or some kind of like caretaker steps in and starts trying to fix things that's another thing to be really curious about because mm -hmm. that again could be shame dressing up as motivation or as you know let's help her mm -hmm. yeah i just know that was one of my big traps mm -hmm. like when i'm when uh, when i tried to heal i yeah. would go into fixer mode and but did I you find did you find that shame kind of dressed up as motivation almost yeah of course mm. of course and because i always felt like that's how you be a good friend you fix oh right oh wow that's how you be a good mother you fix people's problems for them not right? only that but and and if you think where that is learned right people who find themselves having that kind of thinking and i, I don't I'm not saying that that was your experience, but very often people will find themselves deriving value in relationships just when they can help another person or when they can fix the other person. Very often that was their role in childhood where they kind of knew that they had to take care of either one or both of their parents. So they started connecting relationships with, help, with taking care. Mm. So it's like, if I help my, my mother enough, then she'll love me. If I take care of my father's, you know, alcoholism, which means I'm a good girl and I'm quiet and I let him rage, then he won't rage at me. So I'm safe. And what gets wired in the brain is if I do the caretaking, the relationship is fine. Mm -hmm. So this almost becomes like the status quo of all the relationships of they step into a caretaker mode. Um, and that's with the relationship of, with themselves, too. Like the relationship with ourselves is also very much modeled around what we needed to do with our parents, what we needed to be. So, you know, that's, that's something to, to really also think about and to mourn. You know, if we have learned that the only way we, we gain, the only way we are valued in a relationship is if we take care, that means that that's what we have to do. That's what we had to do for so long. And mm -hmm. that's not, we deserved as little kids to just be carefree, not have to do anything to gain. Right. People pleasing, perfectionism, yeah, you know, like all of those things, they all kind of like flow into that's... the same issue, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So, Absolutely. so that's, uh, so yeah, so that's, a, that's one of the traps. Are there any other traps you could think of that? Let me think to... if anything comes to mind right now. I mean, one thing that comes to mind immediately is the feeling of why does this matter? Never mind. I could, I could, it's fine. I can deal with this. Like, ugh, well, why does mm. the, my young, my young self, inner child, all these things don't matter. Never mind. Like, like get over it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that's uh, a good one. Yes. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a very big one, the get over it one. And usually if you trace that voice and you let it be loud and listen to it, you can usually identify whether it's a parent, uh, an authority figure that kind of has that energy around them. Like, ugh, these things don't matter. Mental health, shame, inner child, like ugh, these things don't matter. 
-hmm. And usually it's like, if you go back, you can track it to someone. Even if they never said these words, if this was the energy that they had, you might very, very well fall into that. Mm -hmm. Very easily. Very easily. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. Another thing that comes to mind is if you don't, if you don't surround yourself with people who support healing, you might literally hear those words. Get over it. Ah, ah, she, you know, she became so sensitive around all these things. Suddenly she's using the word trigger. Ah, oh my gosh, she's so sensitive. And yeah. it's like, oh, wow, that, that's literally, mm -hmm. you know, just kind of. Mm -hmm. um, but that is a big one. Whether yeah. It's in the family, this could be, in, you know, in the family circle, it could be in a social circle, it could be in, at work. Right? If someone kind of decides that in order to protect themselves from certain, you know, shame triggering situations at work, they want to put up more boundaries and then they can kind of be shamed around it. Like, oh, oh yeah. Gosh, her and her boundaries. Mm -hmm. And it's like, hmm, that's, that's shame right there. Yep. Yeah. Oh my gosh, totally. What comes to mind when you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to share right now. <laughs> That is well, lots of work lots of work yeah yeah oh my gosh yes got a lot of that while working on healing stop, stop with, with the, the psycho battle oh yeah oh I, yeah oh yeah yes oh that's why it's so important that everybody work to break the stigma because literally like the people who say those things like the people oh stop it with the psycho babble those are the people who actually really do have things to work on and absolutely and i like to believe that it comes out of fear rather than out of being bad or mean i like to believe that yes that was for you rebecca oh he did a laugh <laughs> thanks Erica. oh leia leader is saying where did you learn all those all that all those fancy words it's nonsense oh that's another one right <laughs> Right? Like nonsense. Oh, all these crazy words. Like, oh, you know. Mm. Wow. It sounds like a lot of people are resonating with that one. Mm -hmm. With that trap of like the, the social circle and what the response very often is when someone starts to go on a healing journey. Oh, for sure. If, if I have some questions, can I DM you, Brooklyn? Oh, and my DMs are always open, hi Mindy, but I do make it very clear that I don't do therapy over Instagram or DMs um, ever. Like if any situations are specific, uh, you know, if you DM them to me, I can listen and then I will probably send you, uh, you know, ask you if you want a referral to a therapist because the therapy relationship is a lot more than just messages. Um, yeah. So definitely my DMs are open, but I don't do therapy over DMs or anything like that. Um, M stars just said comes out of ignorance. I understand that they don't understand and I don't take it personally. Actually, that's, that's part of kind of like overcoming like the vulnerability and all of that. Like, yeah. So I do want to talk about that. I do have to just plug my phone in because it seems like it's going, like the battery is draining a little bit. Um, so yeah, I have a great, a great quote that I read today about that. 
Hold on. Mindy, I got a lot of nebach in lieu of stop the psychobabble. Oh, yes. That's another big one. Like, ugh, nebach. Like, yeah, listen, this is what she has to do. Like, okay, let's let her. I don't know. I think all of these people, like, everyone that I see on Instagram that's like, you know, it, it, it's like such a community of, of like power. Yeah. You know, and like, I feel like all these people who are saying these ridiculous things are missing out because it's, it's really like this community of, of powerful people who like, who support each other and, um, oh, poor you, you need to do all this therapy. Mm. Like, For all of us who don't need therapy, don't think that way. Oh, <laughs> wow. This is like, these are great lines. Yeah. We should make a list. Well, we should post all the the uh, the comments that we got on this. Yeah, the stupid things people say. <laughs> yeah, and hold on. Okay, now I am. Actually, um, Shoshana and I started a list a while back. I don't know where it is. I, I should find it. Mm -hmm. Of of the stupid things people say um, that people have have sent us. Oh, about the work that you post? No, no, no. Just uh, like people were sending us like lines like this, like the dumb things people say when yes. you're going through things. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna find that. Erica, I'm gonna look so for it. Powerful, yeah. Um, people relate to that. Like people find healing in that. Just like, oh, I'm not the only one. Like other people are going through that too. There was one thing that I saw. Oh, yeah. So Raxel itself says that she loves the community she found on Instagram. So um, I think I don't know if you mentioned this in our previous live, but there was some conversation around there always is conversation around is, you know, is social media a good thing or a bad thing? And, you know, all of these, you know, is it good? Is it bad? No, it's bad. No, it's good. But uh, for a lot of people, social media is the first time that they found a community of healing people who are also on a journey and they can gain just strength and support and community um so i think that's that's very that's something to think about like if you you know are on instagram look at what your feed looks like and then see if that supports kind of what you want like does it support shame are you following people that every time you look at them you just kind of get a shame oh my gosh i should be more i should be less whatever it is or are you, are you taking advantage of this and kind of creating a community on your own feed that just allows you to really thrive? So we actually have lists that we mm -hmm. created towards the beginning of when we started our lives. Mm -hmm. um, we did a live with Shimi Adar and um, Muffins and Moms Parenting mm. about phone addiction. And, oh, and wow. uh, I think oh. Rachel Tuchman also had a live. Yeah, uh, just works. Yeah. Yes. No, a while back. Oh, like, prior to that? Yeah. Yeah. Prior to that, she, um, it was also, uh, oh, she, she did, um, about Insta shape up. Oh um, yeah. I remember when she was doing that on her, on like she was yeah. kind of posting so, about it. Yeah. So we had like a drop the phone campaign, uh, mm -hmm. that, that Shimmy Azar started it. And then, uh, we did with Muffins and we did a push for it. Um, and then we made top 10 lists of different types of accounts that, um, oh, I love that, but we actually, they're saved on our story, um, you know, on your highlight. Yeah. On highlight. I think that it wasn't.
What? What'd you say? I think I remember that I was in one of your lists. Like you had like, you know, the top 10. You better have been. Yeah. Oh, but I remember that. It was a couple of months ago. We would love to make more top 10s because there's so many new accounts coming up. Right. And, and so if anybody has some. More yeah, accounts, you can DM them. Yeah, send send them and we'll do we'll do a few more top 10s, but really like it really helped a lot and and I I did stop following accounts who made me like just like I mean you just want to there's no point in feeling shame because you can't you right. know cuz you can't live up to someone else's highlight reel. Right. So and and then you know following all these incredible accounts on these top 10 lists really yeah. like they're just they just it's like the opposite of shame <laughs> right exactly and it's also a lot about kind of breaking stigma when you follow accounts that bravely talk about topics just whatever it is in mental health or in the healing arena or in inner child work or shame and all these things like what we spoke about earlier the three elements of, of um, secrecy and silence and judgment these things they start to break down within you. Yes, it might take some time until you are able to allow that to kind of go into your day-to-day -day life outside of something like Instagram. But the more that you kind of read these things, hear these things, hear people talk about it openly, without shame, it starts to break down those things within you. If it's something that you could never talk about in your home because of the reactions that, you know, your parents would have or it was a taboo topic and you couldn't talk about it, the more that you hear people talk about it without shame and it kind of becomes a language in your own self, the more you are then able to allow the healing and growth to go into your day-to-day -day life. So there's so much value in that, so much value in that. Which is, which is the first point that you said or the point number four that you said mm -hmm. was that shame can't live speak, right speak shame yes yes speak it can yes it cannot survive if it's spoken to and received with empathy it just can't it withers away and and mindy says omg so relevant today oh i'm so glad this resonates i know mm -hmm. some days are just shame days i know those days yeah yeah. There are others where you're kind of like, la di da, things are fine, you know? And then, there, yeah, there are days where it's, it is. So I'm glad you're on here, Mindy. Um, so, what I want to also talk about is a lot of times you talk about, do we still have time, Rebecca? I think so. I don't even, I don't even know what, uh, I don't see any time oh. on the thing. So, oh, I've never done a, like a live from my page. So, I don't know if they give you like a notice or something. But what I do want to say is something very important. It's, Something I bring up anytime we talk about, um, you know, topics that are perceived to be you know, bad and we want to get rid of them, right? Like shame or anxiety or depression. So I'm going to focus on shame, but it's not about just getting rid of shame, banning shame, shame by, shame go away. Because what we do then, a couple of things is A, we shame shame. It doesn't work. Like you're trying to use shame to get rid of shame. You say, shame, you're not welcome here. So that doing that alone doesn't work. The second thing you're doing is, or I'm going to backtrack a little bit, but what shame carries is all the negative messages and really shaming toxic messages, but it also carries the trauma 
that created these messages, right? It carries the trauma that created these messages. You know, if someone, I'm gonna go back to the standing in front of the mirror and seeing an ugly monster, that shame also kind of carries the trauma that, you know, what happened to you when you were a 14 year old girl and your mother said that you look like an elephant, right? So the shame carries the trauma. Now, if you say to the shame, shame, bye, go away, what you're telling the symptom of your trauma, you're telling the symptom of your trauma to go away. Now, guess what? Maybe you get rid of shame for a little bit, but your trauma still happened to you. You can't get rid of that. So what happens instead is that the trauma tries to turn into something else, right? It could be addiction. It could be, let's say with the eating thing, it might turn into some kind of eating disorder, right? Because the trauma wants to be seen and processed and healed, right? So what I always say with any of these things, instead of pushing it away and saying, shame, go away, we need to think about giving tr giving shame a different job, right? Because right now, shame's, shame has gotten into its job of thinking, if I shame you enough, you are going to be, you. if I shame you enough, you're going to change and then you're going to be good enough for mommy or for tati or whoever it is, right? Because shame, like if it comes from trauma, it comes from that young place. So it's going to keep trying to shame you in the hopes that you're going to change. That's its current job. But it, it's not really helpful, right? So what we can think about is what job can we give shame instead? So I'll give you a quick um, like comparison with anxiety, right? Anxiety sometimes kind of turns a person into this, you know, just they go into a, a spiral. And then we talk about what other job can we give anxiety? And a, an alternative job is anxiety, we say, please come and visit me when I'm in real danger so that I know to stay safe. But when I'm in, not in real danger, you can sit quietly. You can take a nap, right? Now, what do we do with shame? And here, when I was, you know, thinking about the life night, I was reflecting on some work that I've done recently around shame. And at first, there was a long time where I didn't know what kind of shame, what kind of job I could give shame, right? I was like, shame is, is terrible. It's like, oh my gosh, it's like, you know, it really sometimes turns, you know, it has this way of spiraling. And what came to me recently, and I really like it, is that, and I wrote it down, like the words, yes. So the words that I used, because that's what, you know, my process was, was I can give shame the job of alerting me to past trauma and letting me know about the work that I still need to do. Hmm. So instead of, and, and like we can talk to shame and say, well, instead of abusing me in this way, right? Almost like verbally abusing me, maybe you can gently let me know, hey, there's trauma here. Even if it's tiny little T's, tiny trauma, it's, hey, there's some stuff that we may need to work on here. Cause I feel like I feel I, and we can almost let shame have a voice and say, you know, shame might say, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm coming to you. I feel like I'm really starting to rile up. And this must mean that there's trauma hiding somewhere here. So can we look at that? I like that. Yeah. I thought for me, when I had that realization, it was really powerful. Um, I found that very empowering. So it, it kind of, um kicks curiosity into gear yes very much and what like when we were like going back and forth about mm -hmm. how to present this live it was very much 
how do we use curiosity and compassion mm -hmm. to kind of untangle shame, right? Mm -hmm. And we were very careful about not using the word get rid of shame because that's well, I meant. I said get rid of shame. Right, then, initially, you, yes, yes. So that was brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you can share a little bit about that, the back and forth that we had. Oh, so yeah, no, so, well, so I, I'm still working on my inner voice language. Of course, yeah, so of to course. me, it's like, okay, goodbye, shame. Yeah. Sure, absolutely, Great. absolutely, yeah. And then I don't even remember how we kind of got to the untangled. Like, I, I think I was kind of just trying to come up with some sort of visual because I'm yes. a very visual person. Oh, my God, I love the visual. The web, oh. Yeah, so th that's my outlet is, is art. And, oh, um, good job of it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to come up with like a, with what you were trying to say visually. Yeah, because I was voice noting a lot of words. <laughs> so yeah, and we created this really nice collaboration of it's, we're not like, we're not getting rid of shame. It's, we're, we're kind of appreciating that it is alerting us to trauma and then saying, why don't we do this in a, like in a gentler way? Mm -hmm. because the aggressive shame is not helping. Um, and it's very much, I guess at that point, shame is no longer shame, but it has been transformed into something else. Um, that's something to think about. Like if it's in this alerting space, like if it takes on its new role, is it still shame or is it something else? That's something to think about. But I definitely know that giving it a new job like that, um, it's just, it's it's very helpful. Like it, it actually allows us to look at the trauma that we endured that caused shame without re-traumatizing ourselves with an internal voice. I like that. Yeah. Shoot, my phone yeah. is starting to die now, shoot. Yeah. Where's my plug? Let's just check the time, one second. I think we have we have like three minutes left. I think my three minutes. Left. Oh wow! I think so. I think that looks what I know. We're hopefully it won't shut down on us. I know. I know. There's so much more to say. There is. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Oh, this amazing quote that I read today. Oh, I loved it. Um, anything that I acknowledge and accept about myself cannot be used against me. Anything that I accept and acknowledge about myself cannot be used against me. And this is true both internally, like when That's you're brilliant. in the game. What? Do you know who said that? Um, poof, I forgot to write it down. Maybe I'll post it on my stories with a person. Because um, I did, I saved it to like a saved post. Um, so I'm going to just post it on a story with okay. a person. Because um, I found that to be, yeah, brilliant. I and, really like that. Yeah, because it's both for your internal self, like when your shame part starts to visit and say, oh, you're so whatever. If it's something that you have started to really accept, which again, in order to accept it, you have to ask shame to step aside. But even when you've started to, like, you once you start to accept it and shame starts to try to visit again, you can always tell shame, like, yeah, it used to work for you to shame me on this, right? I know, it really used to work. But you know, it's actually something I'm starting to accept about myself. And it's like, ooh, I wonder how shame will respond there. You know? 
And I love is, it. Right? Mm -hmm. And this is, again, the, the curiosity, like, just, oh, that's another way of doing things. And just trying, like, saying, oh, hey, I wonder how shame is going to respond then if I answer this, right? And um, it's also something that you could use for people, if there are people in your life who are shameful, like what we spoke about earlier, like, I think it resonated with so many people of, like, Yes, there are people who are trying, they're on a healing journey, and then they're, they're, they're facing a lot of shame from people who are maybe not yet on, on the healing journey or are struggling with getting there. But again, if it's something that you are learning to accept about yourself, it's like, oh, these people are trying, you know, saying these things. But if you're kind of straight up, like, you know, someone's trying to shame you for being in therapy. And maybe it used to be something that you really hid and, you know, like you took a late appointment so you could run out of your house and no one would see you. And that's what you needed to do then and really pat yourself on the back for running out and hiding and doing it in the way that you needed to do, right? Because it's the only way you can get to where you are today. But mm -hmm. if over time you were able to kind of say, no, it's okay for me to walk into my therapist's office mm -hmm. in broad daylight. And then when someone tries to kind of say, I saw you walking into that office, I know who's there. And you say, oh, yes, mm -hmm, that's my therapist's office. Yeah, she does amazing work. You know? mm -hmm. And then you kind of just like disarm the other person. And there's something just so empowering about that. That was one example, but I think there's, you know, so many directions that you could take this in with literally anything that you either shaming yourself internally which is always you know from an early external source but it's now internal or from current external sources the more that you can foster just self-acceptance and allowing your growth to be a part of you like let it happen like if you're on a growing healing journey welcome it and like start owning it and the more you start owning all these parts of yourself the less it kind of matters when someone tries to use it against you because it's just so like it's a part of me i can own it it's not a problem so yeah i found that to be just very empowering and very connected to what we're talking about here with shame and and you know what and even just like like i find that sharing posts on 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 instagram right or on on facebook or something mm -hmm. So when at, when I first started sharing Facebook posts mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. Project Proactive, people were like, mm -hmm. are you okay? Really? With you? Oh, oops. Uh-oh. Brooklyn left? Uh-oh. Does that mean we're over? Ah, hold on. Maybe I'm going to invite her back. So we just got cut off because we talked too long. It was a good line at the end. So I wonder if, if either Brookie's phone died or, um, I don't know, if she comes back in the next like two minutes, then we'll keep going. Otherwise her phone died and we will, uh, we'll just, uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll see. Brooklyn, did your phone die? Or are we just done? Did we finish the hour and get kicked off? Let's see. If you come back, then we will know.
Are you coming back? Oh, it would stink to end on that. Okay, well, anyways, I guess we're pretty much done anyways. But I just want to thank Brookie so much. Um, it was really good. Um, it is a huge topic. And uh, I wish we could keep going. But um, I know. I who Maybe come back. You can blame it all on me. <laughs> um, I know nobody wants to hear me talk. Everyone wants to just hear Brookie. Where is she? Plug in your phone. Anyways, but thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. And I think we're done if she doesn't come back in the next three seconds. But, um, and we didn't really get to finish all the questions. Oh. Oh, well. Okay, well, anyways, uh, so thanks for coming, and uh, we will see you next week with Sarah Dukes, um, who will be talking about creativity. Oh, oh, she's here, she's here, yay! All right, let's add her back. Hi! <laughs> well, my phone did die. So oh, it did die. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you're probably right at the end now. I want to hear all about like what was going on. You probably shared the rest with the group live here. No, I didn't. I was saving uh, it for you. I wasn't sure if you were coming uh, back or not. Oh, um, do you still have time? Yeah. So, oh, so here uh, somebody asked. Yes, you can ask questions. But anyway, so so when I first started, so Shoshana asked me to join Project Proactive because she was having a baby, mm -hmm. and. Um, and uh, I do communications and marketing, and okay. I'm really into mental health, as mm -hmm. everyone would know. So, um, so I, I, for I said, oh, for sure, you know, great. And then I started sharing things, and everyone's like, "Are you okay? Like, are you going through something?" Right. Like, um, I'm advocating for mental health wow. <laughs> they're like well uh, you know but it, it was like the funniest thing because i'm like wow. well i mean i've always been into it so my close friends know you know i, I read every book i'm like right. so into um you know i'm i'm not a therapist but right. um you know i i you're interested i'm and you, really yeah, interested and, yeah and you're i quiet, yeah and i like yeah i'm into work <laughs> like doing the work but it was just like I had to answer lots of questions everyone was like oh are you having like a breakdown wow I'm like um... no I'm just like but like but it's okay if I was if right I was, that's also exactly. it's fine I mean whatever like break the stigma <laughs> yes oh wow but that's why I think I think that these kinds of accounts like Project Proactive will grow so much more if everyone's just like like I'm spreading truth. So, right. so right. let's it, share it. Everybody, right. You, you know, like it's, it's silly for us not to all partner and share and right. grow and, right. um, because the more that we speak it, the more, like the more that we share this message of, you know, it's okay not to be okay. Right. Like the stigma be the change. Like, yeah, like it's, the more, like, the larger reach it has, just the more, like, the more people 
who are able to consume this content, like we're creating actual ripples in this world and in our generation and in the way that we are with each other. So like, mm -hmm. you know, it's always like when I see a good post, I'll tag someone who can mm -hmm. read it and might appreciate it and enjoy it. And like, that's something I always appreciate seeing on my posts. If someone read something and they liked it and mm -hmm. you know, it resonated with them and then they go and tag someone else. I think that's just, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like just spreading the warmth and spreading this tiny cycle of growth and healing and change that you can just inspire. So and also yeah. my, my kids love it. Like my kids love talking about it oh, and they're like, great. And you know, and I, I think if we could raise the next generation of kids who could, you know, say, Oh, you know, I'm feeling pretty, you know, crappy today. Yeah. Um, yes. you know, Oh, that sucks. You know, right. be able to have the right language mm -hmm. to comfort their friends. Um, to like you know um kind of like the um mental health first aid you yes. know yes mm -hmm. i love how it's becoming like a thing right so so the more that we share and the more that th this has become normal to just talk about things like this the better for everybody right then right. our generation has the infrastructure so to speak to do that like um, you know, there, the previous couple of generation, generations for a lot of the Jewish community was kind of recovering straight out of the Holocaust and just kind of like doing whatever they needed to do to survive. And I think at this point, we're getting to a place where there are so many resources that should we choose to, we really can go from surviving to thriving. Mm -hmm. um, and every one of us who takes advantage of that and makes use of it, it's just, it's one additional person closer, one, another ripple closer to like, as a culture for us to thrive. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, t I have a lot of hope in that. And every person that I see, every person that I hear kind of talking about it and just kind of making this part of who they are, it just, it really inspires me to continue doing my own work and to continue bringing this to others. Mm -hmm. So I do know that we started another live. Um, I did have to keep it pretty close to the hour that we had dedicated to it. Um, so maybe we could just answer. Uh, yes, let's those, those try to maybe do a question. We lost the old questions. So yeah, that's a pity. But um, um, having a hard time finding a therapist that isn't extremely Christian in Mississippi. Um, so, you know, um, Sam Kusiak, um, DM me, I might be able to just connect you with someone who can give you a resource. Um, there's uh, also a, an organization called Relief. Yeah, Relief is great. Um, and they'll kind of do the research for you, right? Like, I, I don't think, know. Yeah, I think they have, works. they have, I think, a database of therapists that they like just tell, you know, if you're looking for someone and one of their therapists kind of fits your criteria, they might like connect you with them. But definitely like I have um, just professional networks where I can just try to put out a request for a therapist in Mississippi. So yeah, check out Relief. And if you haven't found something, you can send me a DM and I'll connect you hopefully with someone. So yeah. Um, was there, were there any more questions? Cause really this is like the second, we're getting into the second hour now. So I know, and I do have to, 
I do have to keep it closed. Okay, so I'll answer this one question and then we'll leave it over now. So how do we feel shame in a healthy way and not hold on to it? So Oh that yeah, that was one for the Yeah. So I think like the in in the pre like last week's conversation and then this week, um it's I don't know that there is a healthy way of feeling shame because shame inherently doesn't is not invested in you know like a feel good kind of helping you to heal um in its raw form like it doesn't know how to do that but what we spoke about earlier was how can we give shame a better job almost um and it's something that I want to kind of like get straight in my mind also, because I think the second we give shame this new job, I don't know if it's shame anymore. Um, but the new job that one of the new jobs that shame could get is just alerting us that the thing that we're feeling a trigger about is connected to some kind of trauma that we experienced in the past and that it will be extremely helpful for us to do the work around it so that we heal from it. So it's not about like, oh, how can we make, how can I channel shame in a good way? Like that goes into, you know, feeling shameful motivation, which is not really motivation. It's just shame dressed up. Um, so it's more about kind of giving shame a new job and telling shame like, hey, I get that you're here because of my trauma and I don't want to neglect my trauma, but I need you to speak to me with more kindness. I need you to just alert me that there's trauma instead of like, you know, being so mean to me because I don't deserve that. So something like having that kind of conversation around with shame. And I think another one was what we spoke about last week is understanding that shame and guilt are not the same thing. Like you're still, it's still super healthy and super okay to feel guilty if there's something that you did that was, you know, morally wrong or something that you, you know, really know that it's not it's not something you want to do because of your values um and that it's perfectly fine to feel a pang of guilt and say hmm what can i do differently next time um so kind of knowing the difference between the two is very important because we don't want to just banish all responsibility of like ah oh, nothing bad because that's is that isn't helpful um but it's when it when it is shame it's more about kind of understanding where it's coming from and then say telling shame let's con let's converse more gently and with more compassion and curiosity so okay m star i'm glad that that answer resonated with you and i think on that note we'll sign off okay and we'll uh and hopefully we'll uh we'll post some really good follow-ups Right. And also just leading it into next week, I'm so excited that you're going to be having a person who connects creativity and art and healing because the thing about shame is it's not just up here. Like we started this live talking about how you can know all the things up in your head, but it's difficult to kind of bring it to your body because shame isn't only stored in your head. Shame is a body experience. When you experience something that's shameful, it gets stored in all the part, like in all the parts of your body. So yeah when we incorporate art into healing or creativity which involves the entire body what happens is that healing happens a lot more quicker like a lot more quickly it's almost like accelerated healing so i'm really excited that you're having someone on and i look forward to watching that and um hearing what she has to offer. 
Um, thank you everyone for joining us for the second part. <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, we'll we'll be in touch, everybody. Yeah. Yes, okay. we'll be in touch. If anything resonated, reach out. I'm here. And um, I'll see you all around. Okay, bye. All right, bye-bye.